Um, if you've been uh, coming to church the past couple of weeks, we've been doing a series called Teach Us to Pray. And really what we've been going after is really just uh, establishing within us not only a hunger to pray, but to pray with a better understanding according to how Jesus instructed in the word. And sometimes we, you know, I think we all learn to the Lord's Prayer in school. If I say all, oh, maybe I'm just generalizing, maybe your school didn't do that. But did we all get that in school, <laughs> in, in assembly, or standing up in line in the morning waiting to go to class, and you just start reciting the Lord's Prayer, and you just wanted to get over, because <laughs> it kind of seems a little bit boring. But um, I want to say to you this morning that the Lord's Prayer is powerful. And there is something in that, that when you, when you pray that prayer with understanding and with a knowledge of who God is, that God is able to move in your life in a powerful way. Amen. All right. So we've been going through adoration. We've looked at our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I love that because it just helps us to understand who our Father is and that he's a holy God and that he wants us to come and worship him and just just love on him. Don't you like to be loved on? Maybe you're not a very affectionate person and you say, no, not me. Well, I pray that um, you, <laughs> you, you get to feel that from the Father at least. <laughs> And then we looked at petition, how we can come and, and go after God for the things that we are desiring, for the things that we need and the things we need him to come and do for us in our lives. And then last week we looked at petition, no, not petition, we looked at intercession and how we are called to actually intercede, not just for ourselves, but for one another and for our city. Because there's something in us when we not do, when we don't, not just doing it individually, but even corporately. And guys, that's why we do prayer meetings. Not just so we can call you out for another night in your week, so we can come and stand around together and have fellowship, but so that we can pray together, because we're two or more and gathered, the word says, there he is. So I pray that uh, if you've missed any of these messages, that you would go and find them on our church website or our podcast. Thank you for, for doing all of that for us, making the word available. All right, so this morning our focus is we're going to look at perseverance. Don't you guys love that word? <laughs> okay, don't switch off just yet. <laughs> okay, so we're going to be looking at perseverance and, um, and really just how in everything, especially in our prayer and in our journey with God, perseverance needs to be in our vocabulary. It can't be something that we just, you know, pick out when we need it just because we need a little extra something in our lives. Okay. And uh, it's in perseverance and it's in our prayers that we can say to God or we should say to God, no matter how much we're pressing in, no matter what it is we're asking for, we can say, God, thy will be done. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. All right. I believe that, um, you know, it is God's desire that perseverance is actually, it's our stance that when we come to him, we, we come to him with a heart and an attitude that we are ready to persevere no matter what the journey is in front of us, no matter what road we're about to embark on, that in our heart we have decided that we will be those who persevere. And, um, you know, perseverance actually sets us up to go the distance. Did you know that there is, there's a journey ahead of you? And in order for you to go the distance, you're going to have to learn the art of perseverance. <laughs> it's, it's not easy. It's not going to be an easy journey, but it's possible. 
It is so possible. Okay, so if we had to look then, what, is, what does perseverance actually mean for us? Perseverance means that you have a determined continuation in something with a steady and, continu- and continued action of belief that occurs over a long period of time amongst and despite especially difficult circumstances. Doesn't this ring so true? <laughs> um, unfortunately, this is what we would avoid. We would avoid having to go through long, you know, periods of having to, you know, suffer difficulties or hardships. Or God, why do my prayers just not seem to be answered? What is going on here? And um, it's really, it's a belief at the end of the day. It's a belief in God. It's a belief in Jesus that despite what's happening, despite how long this journey is or how long I have to walk with this thorn in my side, that we will go the distance with God. Okay. So if we're going to engage in a life of prayer, it actually requires much perseverance from our part. And a lot of how we grow in God and a lot of our journey um as believers through the various struggles and hardships we face, this is something that God wants to bring out in us. And even our simple prayer lives, guys. Some of us have simple prayer lives because some of us don't know how to go the distance in prayer. Yes, no, yeah. Prayer is not, not easy. <laughs> and um, even in our simple prayer lives, we can become more passionate we can become strengthened and we can become powerful prayers. Who wants to be a passionate, strengthened, powerful prayer? We should all be putting our hands up because prayer is so vital and so key to our lives as believers. And that's why we were hoping that in this series that we're going to enable, be enabled, no, that we're going to enable you to be more equipped in this area. That you would love prayer. I pray that we would love prayer so much that when we hear that we've got a prayer meeting, that when we know that we need to come and seek God in prayer, that we would be the ones running to him and that he's waiting with such an expectant, excited heart. You know that God would be excited to know that your heart is passionate about seeking him in prayer. And uh, today in our culture, unfortunately, um, we desire instant gratification. We want what we want and we want it now. You know, if there's, you know, ladies who love shopping, we love shopping. I'm sure actually some guys love shopping too. <laughs> no. <laughs> how do you, how do you, how do you guys even have clothes? <laughs> okay, I understand you got a wife, but Pumlani? <laughs> You purchase, you don't shop. <laughs> Excuse you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when we're shopping, some of us don't have any patience to wait. Okay, and then we end up buying stuff. I don't know about you, but I don't have the time and patience to try stuff on in the shop. I'll just be like, yeah, that looks okay. Go home and like, oh my word, that doesn't fit. <laughs> Um, and then I'll take forever to go and exchange it because, yeah, you know. <laughs> but
But um, guys, would you, I mean, just think about stuff in your own life that you really want and you know you're even praying to God for, but you want it now. Like you don't see why you should have to wait. Like God, you can do anything and you start declaring scripture. You own the cattle over a thousand hills. Lord, you said if I ask anything and I, I believe it, I can have it and I will receive it. And then, and then. <laughs> And um, when we again, when we just look at society and culture, we um, we want sex before marriage. We want we 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 want to eat what we want now, and then the, the weight must just fall off. Okay, we don't want to exercise and persevere and endure. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay. Um, we we don't want to defer. The gratification of our desires. We want, we want, we want those things that are going to satisfy us now and we don't see why we should have to wait for them. Okay. We don't want to face trials. We don't want to face challenges. We don't, I don't, I don't want to face it. I'm like, God, why, why, why is this necessary? Okay. You can take it away. Take this cup from me. <laughs> okay. We want God to just airlift us out of our troubles, out of our challenges, out of the fire. But you know what the beauty is? It's like God doesn't airlift us out. He drops in and he steps in and he helps us through the journey. And I love that picture because as we're going to go through, we're going to see that there is something that God's wanting to do in your life. Yes, God is, he's on a rescue mission. Okay. And he, your life has been, been redeemed. But there's a constant process of redemption. And in this, suffering actually produces something in our lives that we're going to look at. Okay, so take heart. If you're suffering, it's, it's not the end of the world. Even though you feel like maybe it is. Okay, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. The clouds will part. Okay. You know, often also when, when we come to God with our request, we can come very casually. And we ask and then we then, and then we leave. Not me. <laughs> we, 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 we don't, we want an immediate answer. Okay. And we want an immediate return on our request. You know, when we're investing money, we want an immediate return. Any investors here? Maybe we can't afford to invest yet. <laughs> okay. In faith. Amen. Okay. But what happens is that when we don't get an immediate answer, we return and we go back to God, sometimes with a little bit more urgency. And the longer we go without what we need, the more we're aware of its importance to us. And if we really need something from God, we will find ourselves returning again and again, mostly out of desperation because you, you're like, you just feel like, man, you're being hard pressed on every side and you just need God to come through. Like, God, please now. It's been a month. It's been two months. God, it's been a year. So instead of coming to God because of who He is and because you know what He's able to do in your life, your, your heart is just hitting a miss because you're only coming because you're desperate. Not that God is not concerned that you're desperate. Of course he is. But there's a process that he wants to take you through in order that you might seek him and not the thing that you're wanting from him. Okay, so so we're just going to look now at, at perseverance through suffering. 
Okay, and I'm sure we've all experienced suffering, and maybe some, as I said, some of us are already, we now, we're feeling suffering, and we're feeling just, we don't even know how we're going to go on anymore. We, we just want to give up, because it's too much. Okay. One thing I love, not I love, one thing I love about God <laughs> is that He is in the, do you know that God's a builder? He's building your life, and He's right now, He's building your character through your suffering. So God is in the building business. Romans chapter 5, we're going to get into the word now. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 to 5 says the following. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame. This is what I love. Is that hope, when we put our hope in God, our hope does not put us to shame. Because God loves, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God wants us to grow strong. God wants you to grow strong through every season. So your sufferings are there not just for you to feel overwhelmed and for the enemy to just have a field day with you, but that God would strengthen you in character, strengthen you in hope, strengthen you even in your faith. And that when we put our hope in the midst of our trial and our suffering, that when we can put our hope in Jesus, what does the word say? You will not be put to shame. God will not let you be put to shame because he has poured out his love on you. And, you know, I love if we, you know, perseverance can also be, um, if we had to look at other words for perseverance, we, we see it um, speaking about endurance. Guys, we've got to endure. We've got to endure in our suffering and in our hardships. Okay, it's diligence. It's a diligence seeking of God. It's a diligence in, in your faith in him that you know that God is God and he does not waver in who he is. The word says he is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. What about persistence? Steadfastness, waiting, and patience. I'm sure we got a lot of patience, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> You know, most of the time, the way we develop perseverance, maybe I think all the time, is through hardships and suffering, which is really the testing of our faith. Has your faith been tested this week? Maybe even today, maybe it's a little closer than that. <laughs> your faith, our faith is constantly being tested because God is, God is strengthening us in our faith. James chapter 2, verses 1 to 7, says the following. I don't know why the Bible says this, but it says, Consider it pure joy. <laughs> Think about your suffering right now. Can you consider that pure joy? Like, God, are you sure you know what you're talking about? <laughs> consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. God must know what he's talking about. Why? Because. I love that scripture. You know, sometimes you're reading scripture and you're like, what does that mean? Like, I don't really understand. But when you keep reading, it kind of answers itself, right? Okay, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work. 
don't give up. <laughs> Just because it means you've got to press on a little bit longer and, it's, and you're, you're not enjoying it. Okay, and you're having to consider it joy by faith, even though you can't see why, because it's, it's just really feels like it's pressing you down. Okay, let perseverance finish its work. Why? So that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So God actually does know what he's talking about. <laughs> there is a purpose in our suffering. There is a reason that God allows us to go through these things because he knows who it's it's making us to be. He knows who he's created you to be. He knows what's going to happen in your life tomorrow. He knows what's going to happen in your life five years from now. But he knows that he's going to allow these things because they're producing something in your life that are so beneficial to you. God does not take joy in the fact that we go through hardships, but he takes joy in knowing who we're going to come out at the other end of that being. Okay. So, you know, Jesus said, Jesus said that in this world, we'll have troubles. So if you've been preaching to yourself that you will not have troubles, then you're, you're actually need to maybe get in the word a little bit more. <laughs> okay. Um, he never promises a life of fluffy fairy tales. Okay. Maybe we need to renew our minds a little bit here in this area. Okay, if we look at just some, some real examples in the Bible of people who had to endure, who had to persevere through hardships, through trials. And guys, you know, when, when we read about people in the Bible, we must remember that these are real people. They're not just stories that we read. And I think sometimes we can, you know, we, we like learning um, just the, the faith stories and the principles and we kind of disconnect that this is real and this really happened. And if God showed himself to be true and faithful and good to them in their lives, in their time on the earth, how much more in your life? Okay, if we had to look at the life of David. Man, the book of of Psalms is so full of David just pouring out his heart of, you know, just lamenting and the struggle and the the hardship and, you know, just just pouring out his struggles I guess for, you know, as a way of, of dealing with what he's going through. Um, and uh, and it's, I love that God has given us the Psalms as well so that we can see just not, not only how David shares his struggles, but how he shares his faith in God. That he didn't stay and sit and camp in, his, in self-pity, even though sometimes it sounds like that. But at the end of the day, his eyes were lifted up and he stopped looking here down at himself and what he was going through. And he chose to lift his eyes up to God because he knew his God and he knew what his God had promised him. He knew what his God was going to do in his life, even though he had to wait. David was anointed king as a young man, but he didn't immediately become king. So it was in that journey that God was doing stuff in his life. There was a, a road that he had to take, much trial, much hardship, much testing of his faith. And at the end, David came out stronger. He came out loving God more. He came out serving God more. He came out finishing his life well and strong. And then, oh, shame, Job. <laughs> this guy, why do we always have to bring him up? <laughs> When you look at the life of Job, I was just reading it again this week and, you know, everything that he went through, he was, he was a good man. 
a righteous man. He did no wrong in the eyes of God, yet he, he had to endure suffering. His children taken away from him, everything that he owned taken away from him. And then you see his, you know, just his, his journey sitting on an ash heap, just life is nothing for him anymore. God, take my life. What good am I? Smite me, kill me. I have no reason to live anymore. And then his friends, Job, surely there, you were, surely there must have been something. Just tell us. Just tell us. You, you said that there, you've, you've not sinned against God, but surely there must be something because all of this has happened to you. And, um, so his friends even were annoying him. <laughs> Anyone? No? <laughs> and, um, you know, what we, we see Job, no matter, even, even though he was complaining because of his situation, he still chose to worship God. He still chose to praise God and to, to love God in his heart. And, you know, we, we hear God, actually he's silent through, through most of, of the book of Job, but, but God comes in at the end. Like, Job, are you quite done now? How many times has God said to you, are you quite done now? Can I speak? And, um, and I love how God just comes in and because, you know, uh, Job's faith in God and his loyalty was being tested because he did not curse God and he still chose in his heart to worship God. God came and restored him. God came and blessed him and gave him back more than what he had to start off with. And, um, you know, if you just think of your life, maybe your sufferings aren't as, as big and Terrible as Job's. But maybe actually, can we really compare? Because maybe it does feel like that to you. And are you, are you blaming God for what's happening in your life? Are you complaining? (laughs) Or are you choosing to still say that God, despite what I'm going through, I know, I know what you've promised me. I know who you are. I know your character. I know your nature. I know you are loving. You are kind. You are good. You are generous. And you will not leave me here. God will rescue you. Remember, he's in it with you. And would you, in your heart, choose to praise God? Would you choose, you know, sometimes we say we gotta, we gotta praise our way out of our circumstances and praise our way out of our troubles and we actually feel like, can you stop saying that because I don't feel like it and I don't want to. You don't understand. Maybe we don't, but God does. <laughs> and we need to, it's okay to bring our hearts bare and be vulnerable before God because we also can't pretend like it's not happening. And we've just got to pretend like, oh, it's all, it's all amazing and I'm, I'm just going to keep praising and that thing's there. Like, can we acknowledge it so that we can deal with it and allow God to bring us through it? It's no good just brushing it under the carpet because then what good, how is God going to work through that and how is he going to bring your, your faith stronger if you're just enduring in a sense that you're just, okay, whatever, this is just my portion. Guys, suffering is not your portion. Okay, God's goodness and life and fullness of that is your portion. But we've just got to go through. Okay, just, just get through that bumpy road. Have you ever, you know, when you've driven out, uh, maybe up in the Midlands or maybe, I don't know, somewhere you've just kind of driven through like a really bumpy, stony road. It's not pleasant. It's not enjoyable. You know, it's probably going to damage your tires and all those other things that 
do with your car. <laughs> okay, what if a stone like hits, you know, jumps up and and uh, hits my my windscreen and I have a crack and you just you want to get like through, you want to just get onto the nice smooth road. Okay, sometimes we feel like that in life. It's too bumpy. There are too many hazards along the way. <laughs> we want to cover ourselves. We want to protect ourselves. We don't want to endure the bumpy, dusty um, things that are, are potentially going to even bring harm to us. But when God's, God's with us, God's in us, there is a smooth road coming. Okay. What about the Apostle Paul? Again, we have to keep bringing these guys up. Like, man... They, it's kind of like they, their lives are display, on display in the Bible. But I love it because God is, is you know, just he, he's showing us hardship and trial. And he's showing us the blessing and the faithfulness that come out on the other end as well. Apostle Paul, he endured so much persecution. Um, you know, he was locked up. He in jail um, repeatedly. He had um, his life was being sought. He had, uh, he was on the run. Okay. Think about your life. Where are you being persecuted right now? Maybe not in the same way. Maybe you're not being stoned physically, but you feel like, man, the enemy's throwing stones at me. Man, I feel like I'm constantly running from the attack of the enemy. Lord, why? Like, what is happening? Why, why is this? And uh, Paul, at the end of his life, he says this, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 5 to 7, he says, But you, be sober in all things. Guys, we, we need to be sober in our suffering. Okay, we've, got to, we've got to remember that we, we, must, we have an enemy. Okay, so we mustn't pretend like we, it's not, he's not there and it's not happening and, and nothing's, you know, everything that's happening is just because, you know, there is the, there's the reality that sometimes we, we live life in such a way that bring on these things. But there is an enemy as well. So we must be sober also to know, okay, is this me? And is this a consequence of something I've done? Or is this the enemy coming after me? All right. But he says, be sober. So be clear-minded. Have your wits about yourself. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure has come. What does he say? I love this. He says, I have fought the good fight. Guys, you are in a good fight. It might not feel like it. But the the fight of faith is a good fight. Okay? He says, I have fought the good fight and I have finished the course. He didn't give up. The first time he got locked up, he didn't clock out, okay, God, maybe I don't think this, this Jesus thing is working for me. He says, and I have kept the faith. In the future, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Are you going to endure hardship? Are you going to fight the good fight? Are you going to keep the faith? The Bible says if you do that, there is a reward for you, a reward of righteousness, you won't, might not experience it ha- now, but in eternity it's waiting for you. The crown of righteousness. We must remember we're not living for, for now. I mean, we are in a sense. But essentially everything we do is, is pointing towards eternity. Whatever you're facing, don't just think of the now and the now impact. Your response impacts eternity. And... Um, 
So he says, in the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous, will judge. Sorry, the righteous judge will award me, to me, on that day. And not only to me. So this isn't just for Paul. Amen. Yay. Thank you, Lord. But also to all who have loved his appearing. Okay. So guys, when you, when you think of your own life or just when we look around us, what are some of the, the things that we can face when, when, when it comes to hardship and suffering? What about if you lose your job? That's a big one because it can just feel like the end of the world because a loss of job means a loss of income. How are you going to support yourself? How are you going to support your family? How are you going to make your payments? You've got a car to pay off. You have to pay your rent. You've got to eat. Um, what about a failed or trying relationship with the spouse, with friends, with family? Sometimes these ones cause us more suffering because they're so personal and they're so close to home. And sometimes we just, it's because we, we put so much of our lives into relationship that when these go south or when the enemy even just comes to, maybe seems to come at us through our friends and our family, that's sometimes just the hardest burden to bear. Um, what about sickness? Sometimes we suffer in sickness because we, I mean, we, nobody wants to be sick. <laughs> and sometimes we pray and we seek God, like, God, why? I, I'm applying your word, but I'm still, I'm still suffering. Why, why has this not been taken from me? Sin. Sin can bring suffering to our lives. And when we still, when we still in bondage to sin and we don't know how to come out of that, then we're just kind of going to constantly have this thing on our back. And we've got to know that we have to get rid, cut off everything that brings us to, that brings us to a place where we are just contradicting the word of God, anything that's leading us away from God. Guys, sin is real. And again, we can't just brush it off and say, oh no, it was dealt with at the cross. Bible says we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Okay, well it's, and, and we're constantly undergoing this process of redemption. So we must never think that just because the word says our sins are forgiven at the cross, as much as it is true, that, that we still have a sinful nature and we've still got to overcome. Okay, and it does bring us suffering. So again, we have to look at what is the, what is the cause of the suffering? Is it the enemy? Is it, or is it just me? Because I'm sinning against God. And sometimes we complain, God, why aren't you taking this away? But maybe you need to go and look within yourself first. Okay. Um, and you know, when, when we suffer, we, we actually can become vulnerable to, to these just three particular temptations. So we begin to doubt God's love for us. Oh, if you, if you're a loving God, why? Why are you letting this happening to me? Do you even love me? Can we begin to doubt God's love for us? We begin to doubt God's power to answer us. We think God doesn't want to do this for me. God's not, God just doesn't care about me. Woe is me. And then sometimes we actually, we just pretend like we're okay when we're actually not. And as I said, we can't just pretend that it's not there and it's not happening and brush it under the carpet. If you're not okay, that's okay. It's okay to share it. It's okay to speak about it. But we can't just pretend 
like we're okay when we're not. Because we're actually, we're deceiving ourselves and we're lying to ourselves. Um, you know, when I, when I think of Jesus facing his darkest hour in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's, he's all alone. He knows his time is coming uh, to leave and to, to suffer much. And he goes to pray with his disciples and, and he, he tells them that they must watch and they must pray. But what do they do? They fall asleep. I don't know really what hour it was. I don't know if I would be any different. <laughs> I might have a little snooze too. <laughs> okay, he's a, Jesus is alone in that moment. He's, he's praying to the Father. He knows what's coming. He's got no one to comfort him. He's got no friends around him to encourage him. Um, he's got no one praying for him in that moment. And he cries out to God, to Abba Father. And he knows, he knows that when he comes to God and cries out to him as Abba Father, it's because he knows who God is to him. He says, Abba Father, everything is possible for you. Do you believe that everything is possible for God? Not just some things, not just that one thing that he's already done for you, so you can say it because you know it's done. But everything is possible And he cries out to God in anguish, take this cup from me. How many times have you prayed, God, take this cup from me? You know, the Bible says that Jesus was suffering so much to the point where he was in such anguish and and sweating blood. I I don't know anyone who's who's been in, in such anguish and suffering, but, I mean, Jesus knew. Jesus knew what was lying before him. Jesus knew what he would have to endure. But he had faith in God and he said, nevertheless, your will be done, not mine. How many times have you said, God, take this cup from me? But you haven't been able to utter the last words, nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. So, you know, we, we must know that when, when we look at, this, at Jesus in this moment, he's coming to God and he knows the love of the Father for him. He knows that everything is possible for God. He knew that God could come in and send down heaven's SWAT team to come and rescue him. Okay, He knew that he had a whole host of angels waiting, if necessary. He knew that God could intervene. And he knew that God could also take this cup from him. But he knew what was at stake. You, me. He said, yet not what I will, but yours. Not what I want, Father God, but what you want. And um, I just, when, when I think of that and I think of my life, and I think of how many times I've sought God to take the cup from me, and he hasn't done, he hasn't done so. And it's hard. <laughs> Because you know, if he doesn't do this, what am I going to have to suffer? What am I going to have to face? God, you, you know what's on the other side. How can you let me go through this? 
But the response of our heart and the response from Jesus is that I'm going to choose to trust you no matter how painful, no matter what I have to lose in the process, no matter what I have to give up, no matter what I have to sacrifice. Even when we're alone and we kind of feel like Jesus in that moment, guys, we have to know that that God, God never leaves us. We're never truly alone. Even when we don't understand, we can still trust in his goodness. Do you trust in his goodness? When you say God is a good God, do you believe that? Even in the midst of your suffering, is he really good to you? And I love what, you know, what this just speaks, what it, what it produces in our lives. It's just this faithfulness to trust God that no matter what it is, I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm not going to be faithful to my fear, to my anguish, to my anxiety, but I'm going to be faithful to God. When, when we look at, um, you know, just in the Bible in Daniel chapter 3, it talks about Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we see this, um, if you look at the context, um, King Nebuchadnezzar has called everyone to come and worship his idols and to come and bow down to them. And, uh, and these three, the three friends of Daniel, they say, we will not come and bow down and serve your gods. Why? Because they knew who their God was. They knew what he was able to do. And they had a resolve in their hearts that he was the only God because they knew he was the only true God that they were going to serve and, uh, and when they said that they were, they, they're not gonna bow down and worship these other gods, what happened? <laughs> they got thrown into the fiery furnace, which was made, I think, seven times hotter than normal, just for them, especially for them. <laughs> and, and what did they say when they, when they knew their fate had been set out? They said, God can save us from the fire. They said, he will save us from the fire. But even if he doesn't, but even if he doesn't, we still won't bow down. God can save us. They knew who God was. They knew what he was capable of. They knew that God wanted, he he desired for them obviously not to perish. God doesn't want any of us to perish in our suffering. When they said he will save us, that was a display of an absolute faith. God will save us. There was no wavering. There was no doubting that God would. But even in that, they still showed a faithfulness to God. (laughs) Sorry, we've got a very white Jesus there. (laughs) It just speaks of a faithfulness to God, that God, even though I know that you can save me and that you will save me, even if you don't, they proved a faithfulness to God despite the outcome because their hearts were committed to God and faithful to God. James chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, for he will inherit the crown of life. Isn't it interesting that these crowns, these rewards that await us in heaven are attached to perseverance? There is something, not just a, not just an immediate, um, earthly reward at the end by a way that our faith gets strengthened and our character 
gets refined and we get to put our hope in God. But there is an eternal reward for those who persevere. A reward of righteousness and, a reward, and the reward of life. The crown of life. And what about perseverance in prayer? We've just looked at perseverance and suffering. What about perseverance in prayer? Let's look at Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 to 28. And this is speaking of the faith of the Canaanite woman. And, and you might be familiar with the story. It says, And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold... A Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and she knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. I just think it's so funny how the disciples were just came to beg, like, beg Jesus, please just make her go away. Maybe she was annoying them. Maybe she just, wherever they were going, she just wouldn't leave them alone. Because she had a perseverance in her heart that she, again, she knew who Jesus was. Most probably because she'd seen what he'd already done. And she knew what he could do for her, even her being a Canaanite woman. And she was a determined woman. And she went back and, and, and back again, even when Jesus didn't even answer her the first time she came to him. And how many times have we all, in our prayer, felt like our prayers just didn't seem to have any, any influence or any effect on our situation? Anyone ever felt like that? Maybe you're like your, your prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling and you're just, you feel like your, your prayers are landing on deaf ears because the first time you've asked, there was no response. Sometimes we see God move in our lives in incredible ways. We see Him blessing us. We see Him coming through. We see Him just pouring out and lavishing just His, His goodness on our lives. We see him delivering us out of, out of bad situations. We just, we, we, it's almost like, man, the hand of God is on my life and I feel it. But then what about other times where we don't? Sometimes we pray and our prayers seem to go unanswered. Or they even, they just take longer than expected. Or let's be honest, longer than you would like. <laughs> and then what happens? We either, we, we stop praying. We start to doubt that our prayers even have any effect. We even begin to maybe have an unbelief in God and in his ability to, to really step in. And we, we give up. How many times have we just given up praying? Because we feel like it's just, it's not doing anything. It's not having any effect. What's the point? What is the use? And then this can actually lead us to having a crisis of faith. And uh, 
like why why didn't God God why didn't it work? Am I not praying long enough? Am I not praying hard enough? Am I not using the right words? Am I not using the right expression? And am I not walking up and down fast enough? <laughs> why God? <laughs> Why does Jesus in the Bible heal so many, but why am I still sick? God, why I tithe faithfully? Why do I still not have? God, why? Sometimes we just feel like all we say is why, because we don't understand. When we have a crisis of faith, it can actually lead us to just stop believing. And that's such a dangerous place to be in. When we stop believing in God, we stop even believing that we want what we're praying for. If you don't believe that God answers prayer, then you actually don't struggle with unanswered prayer. Oh well, didn't work in the first place. Why should I, why should I believe anyway? Prayer doesn't work. If you believe that God is real, then you are probably going to struggle and wrestle with the fact that sometimes our prayers seem to go unanswered or that we don't always get the result that we want. Struggling is not so much a case of unbelief, but more a case of faith or a struggle of faith. And as believers, we are going to struggle I'm not going to paint a picture here this morning that your, your prayers are all going to get answered in the way that you want and that it's going to be easy. You are going to struggle. You're going to have to press in and wrestle. Not, maybe not for everything, but for some things. And I want you to know that the struggle is okay. The wrestle is okay. You know, we look, we, we see in Genesis 32, we see Jacob struggling and wrestling with God. Have you ever felt like you've wrestled with God? Do you want to wrestle physically with God? <laughs> Pomlani, you said yes. Okay, Lord, you heard that. <laughs> when you're sleeping tonight, eh? <laughs> okay. So to know Jacob's story is to know that his life was one of never-ending struggles. How many of us feel like they just keep piling on top of one another? It's just, God, is this ever going to end? When one thing's, you feel like one thing's dealt with, there's another one, and then another one. Like, God, or maybe they're just coming at you at the same time. Okay, so, you know, God actually promised Jacob that through him would come a great nation. But not only a great nation, but a whole company of nations. Okay, he was a man full of fears and anxieties. Who are we? Are we men and women full of fears and anxieties because, because we've struggled so much? Let me ask you, what has God promised over your life? What has God called you to? And do you feel like the call on your life, that that's a struggle? Do you feel like you're having to even to persevere, that you're wrestling God in this area of your life? Guys, we must persevere. If we're going to walk in the promise of God, we can't give up. Because when we give up, then we make the enemy a victor, and you become the victim. It's, it's supposed to be the other way around. So, you know, Jacob, uh, we see him eventually. He's uh, He's kind of like, 
He's on the run. He's, he's over uh, the treatment that he's getting from his father-in-law. So he's got his father-in-law on one side. He's got Esau, his brother, whom he deceived on the other side. And he's kind of like stuck in the middle. Nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. <laughs> okay. He is anxious for his life. And uh, he's physically exhausted at one point in the story. And then what do we see? We see him. We see him fall asleep. And then into a deep sleep. And then what happens? We see, we see the Bible says um, that he, God comes to him. Or he, an angel comes to him. And he begins to wrestle with God. He knows. He knows what's coming. He knows what's happening or what's about to happen. And then he will not let go of God because he says, God, you will bless me. He wants, he's after God's blessing despite his struggle, despite his anxieties because he knows the benefit of the blessing of God on his life. And you know that um, God actually changed his name in that moment to Israel. And what does Israel mean? Struggle. There was a mark on his life that he struggled with God. And what was the outcome? God blessed him. Prayer is the act of asking and seeking God himself. We must be seeking God himself who acts for us. Um, And in essence, prayer itself, sorry, it is not prayer itself that has the power and the answer, but it's the one to whom you pray. Prayer is just the means for which we come to God and for which we, we, we tap into that power that we then, through prayer, we come to know our God who is able to bless us and to move on our behalf. Prayer engages God. And that's why, how can you see the blessing of God or the power of God on your life if you're not praying? Or if you're putting all your, all your hope in your prayer, and because you've said nice words, but not in the God who answers prayer. And we've gotta, we've gotta have that revelation. It's not the prayer, it's God who we seek. So guys, when you, you know, when you're praying scripture, when you're praying just, you know, just life, know that it's God in the scripture. The life is in God. So it's really, in, in sharing this, it's, it's my prayer <laughs> that you would come to this understanding that, that we must not just come in prayer, we must come to God. God's silence it's, is not his absence. And sometimes just because we don't hear him, like when we look at the Canaanite woman, she was speaking to Jesus, but he didn't answer her. He didn't respond to her immediately. Maybe you feel like you're, you're praying and you're seeking, but God's not answering you. It doesn't mean he's not there. He is not absent. We can persevere in, in prayer, seeking an answer for something that God actually has answered. We just don't recognize that he has because the response didn't come in the package that we wanted. How many times have we said God has not answered my prayer? When actually, if you would just look a little bit differently, he has. Or what about when God says no? We don't think God would say no often, would we? <laughs> because God, God can say no, and there are times where he will say no. 
Not just because he's a big meanie and doesn't want you to have what it is you're asking for, but because he knows that maybe you actually don't really need that. Or maybe there's something else he wants to do in your life and that has absolutely no benefit to you. Sometimes we we tend to put God in a box and we write him a nice little prescription. Like, okay, God, here's my prayer. Here's my prescription. This is what you need to do for me. This is how you need to answer. Instead of saying, God, here's my prayer. This is a desire of my heart. This is, I know you can. I know you will. But if you don't, your will be done. And we, we should also consider that sometimes our prayers don't get answered in the way that we want for the following three reasons. And then I'm almost done. I'm going to wrap up. You guys know what that really means, don't you? We're far from over. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we got another hour. Awesome. Okay, so <laughs> so let's consider these three things. We must consider God's world. We're living in God's world. So this means that there are laws of nature, okay, and logic as well. So sometimes we don't get the answer we want because um, we the answer we want because that's just the way God's made things. That's just the way God's made the earth. That's just the way things are. Okay, like, um, think about um, if Mac, Mac, you were praying for no rain on your wedding day. Am I right? Mac and TK. But what happened? On that beautiful day, it rained. Was it so bad? (laughs) Was that, like, going to be, like, life-shattering if it didn't rain? Or if it did rain on their wedding day? No. Because they were undercover, it was beautiful. Maybe they would have liked sunnier pictures. But guys, what about what about the farmer who needed rain? What about the fact that there might be a drought in the land? And it's just a mild inconvenience for you, but a blessing to the farm not only the farmers, but to you. So again, we've got to shift our perspective. And sometimes we don't see and we don't understand, but we've got to trust that God knows best. Amen. And then God's will. So if God's world, and then God's will. God knows best. You probably don't want to hear this. And I'm sorry I have to say it, that we just have to accept. <laughs> we have to just accept that God does know best. Um, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. If you are trying to understand the mind of God all the best, okay, you're going to be trying to understand that for all your life on earth. I don't know if we'll ever understand in eternity. I don't know if it will even matter because we're going to be so having such an awesome time up there or here, wherever the new earth is. Okay, so we must understand that even though we think that we can understand the mind of God, we won't, and we have to know that he knows best, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. What about, um, I, um, as I was preparing for this, I came across a story, and um, it was just this guy, his name is Peter, and he was sharing that when he was, I think, nine years old, um, there was this girl, and she was the most beautiful girl that he'd ever seen in his little nine-year-old life. And he prayed so hard, like he'd never prayed in his nine years, 
that this girl would like him. But you know what happened? She hardly even noticed him. (laughs) Many years later at a high school reunion, guess who he runs into? This beautiful girl that his little nine-year-old heart prayed so hard for. And you know how he... (laughs) He... He... Shame. Everyone is beautiful, okay? He says... (laughs) It was as if it was like a butterfly that had morphed backwards. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> and in that moment, he thanked God that your thoughts are not my thoughts. <laughs> and your ways are not my ways. <laughs> and he is happily married. <laughs> so trust the will of God. You believe he can, you know he will, but if he doesn't, you will still worship him. (laughs) How many of you have prayed that prayer? Should we expose you? (laughs) How many of you are thanking God? Me. (laughs) All right, and then God's war. Guys, we have to realize that the third thing is that your prayers might not be answered or delayed because of God's war. We see um, in, in Daniel chapter 10, I'm not going to go into it, but we see Daniel, what we gather from that is that Daniel has prayed. He's prayed a prayer. He, um, he had a, one night, he had a vision and it terrified him because it spoke of what was to come. And he was praying and waiting on God. And then we see an angel come to him and coming to respond to that prayer. But what does the angel say? He says, when you prayed... As soon as he heard the prayed, he came. But what happened? He was delayed by the prince of Persia, who he was wrestling against for, I think it's 21 days. And um, guys, we must remember that sometimes your prayer is just delayed because there's a war going on. Because whatever it is you're praying for is going to have an impact. It's going to move the hand and heart of God. And Satan does not want that. So we've got to press and we've got persevere. We've got to keep persevering and not give up. Doesn't mean that just because you're not hearing a response or nothing's happening that God is not acting, even while you're praying on your behalf. What about when bad things happen? We just don't. We don't always understand why. You know, we do live in a fallen world. And sometimes we say, oh, well, if, if, you know, if God is a loving God, then why? The fact is, what are we doing? What are we doing as believers to bring about the, the, the will of God into places that seem like they're, the war of God is raging? Are we pressing on? And then, you know, so often, because we don't understand the reason behind why things are delayed or to know, we start to get disappointed and we start to harbor disappointment in our heart towards God because he didn't come through. Like, I really needed that, but God didn't come through. He didn't care about me. He's not faithful. He doesn't love me. And we need to understand that God God is faithful. And we, we cannot begin to harbor disappointment because we'll, we won't want to pray anymore. And you know, I want to, um, if the AV team can just play this video, and this video is, is called I Will Fight. 
And the heart of it, when I saw this, I was like, oh, we need to show that. Because we have to fight to persevere. We've got to fight for our prayer. We've got to fight sometimes for God's, for God's ear. We've got to fight and run the good faith. Can we play that? Thank you. The Christian life is not a playground. It's a battleground. So today, I will give no place to fear or failure. I will not accept a trace of apathy in my attitude or actions. I will reject complacency and embrace the greatness that God has planted inside of me. I will waste no opportunity to glorify God and maximize everything he has entrusted to me. I will fight. My battle is not against flesh and blood, but against a spiritual enemy who opposes me. So I will draw the battle lines and face my enemy with a bold determination. My enemy fights against me because he fears me. Every time I resist him, he must flee. And every time he reminds me of my past, I will remind him of his future. I will make no excuses, but through every obstacle I will find a way. I will not procrastinate my progress. I will not defer my destiny. I will not waver when I'm weak. I will not cower when my circumstances take a turn for the worse. Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I will fight. Even if I lose the battle, I will win the war because I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. I will reject the lies that echo in my mind, telling me that I don't have what it takes, that my best is behind me, or that humiliation awaits me. The devil is a liar, and my God always causes me to triumph. Through Jesus Christ, my Lord, I will fight. I'm unashamed to represent a kingdom that is unshakable. No one will be able to stand against God's plan for me all the days of my life. With my God, I will advance against every truth. With his help, I will scale every wall. Though my enemies surround me, my God surrounds my enemies. Though they may come at me one way, they will flee seven ways. Because no weapon formed against me will prosper. And every evil thing that rises against me, I will condemn. I will fight. My heart is steadfast. My purpose is immovable. I am always abounding in the work of the Lord. And my potential is unlimited because the limitless God lives within me. I will fight. The cross is before me. The world is behind me. I'll never turn back. I'll never give up. I'll never settle. I'll never stop short. I will press toward the mark for the prize that is all. nor things to come, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation shall be able to separate me from my God. And if my God is for me, who can be against me? I will fight. Fight. Are you guys ready to fight? You're going to keep going. <laughs> Uh, you know, just if, can we stand to our feet? The, the encouragement to you this morning is, guys, let's be those that will fight. We will fight for our faith. 
We will fight for our belief in God and we will not give our lives over to the enemy just because it seems like things are a little too, the water's a little bit too hot for me right now. And, um, you know, just if, in my life, there have been many times where I've wanted to give up, throw in the towel, just, you know, God, this isn't happening, this isn't working for me. But God's always reminded me of the God that I serve, of who he is. And you know that we, we as, I, as we go through our journey with God, we, we realize that we have a history with God and we need to keep going back to the history, to the things that he's done in our lives that show God really is faithful, that God is real in my life and that God is able to do more than I even would even think that is possible. And, you know, just my last closing scripture is Luke chapter 11, verses 9 to 13. It said, Jesus said, keep on asking and it will be given to you. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and it will be opened to you. For everyone who continues to ask receives and the one who continues to seek finds. And for the one who continues to knock, it will be opened. What father among you, if your son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Perseverance pushes us to break through our personal limitations. It produces in us a greater measure of capacity that we did not know we have. It produces in us a faithfulness to God. It teaches us to seek God himself as our greatest need. And it produces character in our lives. I'm going to ask Linda to come in and just pray for us. Amen. As we just prepare to pray, there are two messages that came before the word and even during the word. And even as I'm coming here, I really feel the intensity of breaking that as we pray. One, perseverance is not succumbing to the pressures of the enemy, as Eloise has put it. It is where we stand with the word of God. We stand with what God is saying. We stand and push back the works of darkness. And we do that through prayer. We do that in knowing that it is not by our ability, it's by Him. And when we started, the worship team sang a song which says God is able. And, and, and because of pain and suffering and disappointment at times, we really feel His ability is just in words. We feel sometimes that it's just words that we can sing about, that is able, but we don't see him being able. And part of being people of perseverance is pushing back things that are dealing with our fear, that are bringing fear and doubt in our life. And, and for some people, they are even having demonic operations in their lives because they've opened a door because of failure, because of pain, because of doubt. And I want us this morning just to to, 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 to exercise perseverance and say, we are not going to let go. We are not going to quit. We are not going to stop praying. We are not going even to allow the hands of the enemy and the fingers of the devil to even play in our lives. 
we are going to stand by our authority and we are going to stand by what is correct. And we are going to allow our Father to conquer on our behalf and will allow Him to use us in the battlefield as He scatters His enemies. Shall we all pray just for two, three minutes and then after that I will just close in prayer. Father, we thank You that, Father, You have given us the ability to push back the works of the enemy. We thank You, Father, that, Lord God, You have given us that ability, Lord God, to stand firm in your word, Lord. We thank you that, Father, your word is true. And, Lord, we thank you that even as you have spoken today, Lord God, you say it does not come back to you void without accomplishing what you have released it to do. And right now, Father, we open our hearts. We bring before you, Lord God, the condition of our hearts. As we stand here, some of us, Father, we have been beaten by the the issues of life. Some of us, Lord God, we have been bruised by the issues of life. Some of us, Lord God, we have even let go of trusting. We have even let go of hope. We have lost it in life. We are just walking because we don't know what to do next. But Father, we pray that right now, Lord God, you ignite something within us. That Father, you resurrect that hope within us. That Father, there is that awakening in our spirit. That Father, we will not quit. That Father will persevere. That Father will continue praying. Even if we feel that sometimes our prayers are not answered the way we want. That Father will continue living the life that is godly. Even though we don't see things maybe manifesting the way we would want them to manifest. And Lord, we pray right now, Lord God, bringing our lives before you. We say, Father, may you work in us right now. We are opening our hearts, Lord God. We are opening our will, Lord God. We are saying, may your will be done in our lives, Lord. We are praying, Father God, that even our strength, at times we feel weary, we feel tired, we feel defeated. And right now, Lord God, we are saying we are more than conquerors. We are not just saying it as a lip service, but Father, right now we are taking up arms and we are saying we are going there to con- to conquer the world. We are going out to face our realities, Lord God. We are going out to face our lives. We are not going to surrender praying, but we are going to pray without ceasing, Lord God. We are going to pray even if our body doesn't want us to do it, Lord God. We are going to read your word even if it... At times we feel like it doesn't make sense. We are going to seek you, Lord God, knowing that you are a faithful God. And right now, Father, we just want to break every foothold that the enemy has held in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we just want to break it, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, we break every every whisper of the enemy in our ears. We nullify right now. Everything, Lord God, in our hearts, in our spirit, that has caused us, Lord God, to fall back. That has caused us, Lord God, to let down, Lord God, our, our, our mandate to quit our stand with you. We are saying right now, we rebuke it and we denounce it. In the name of Jesus, we take a stand that Father will be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That Father will move on knowing that whether we see the results now or not, we will stand by your word. We will stand by what is correct. We will stand by what we have said, Father. And Lord, we thank you that we are patiently waiting and trusting in you, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, we pray that Father, you mold and you heal, Lord God, the hearts that have been broken by suffering. People, Lord God, that have been bruised. We pray that, Father God, even as we stand, that, Father, right now, you whisper those words again, that I am able. I am able to provide. I am able to heal. I am able to restore. 
we pray, Father, that those words will echo in our hearts, in our minds, that our God is an able God. Our God is a faithful God. Our God is a truthful God. Everything you say shall surely come to pass. And Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you that, Father, you are shifting our minds in the name of Jesus. We thank, Lord God, that there are people, Lord God, who have prayed for years and years, and they've, they've forgotten even the prayers. But, Father, because you are a loving God, we thank you that right now, as we stand, Lord God, you are going to restore that hope by, by bringing in, Lord God, the, the breakthroughs in their lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And, Father, we prophesy over every dry bone right now. Over every bone that is that has ceased to live, we say, dry bones, find life, receive life, be restored. In the name of Jesus, we pray, Father, for every person that has said, I give up. That, Father, right now, restore them, Lord God. We speak your restoration in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we bless your name, Father. In Jesus' name.